0: Hello and welcome to our podcast, Shut the Fuck Up, We Are Not Done Talking Yet, with Sharla Gabert and
1: Danielle Warriman. I'm Sharla. And I'm Danielle. In our podcast, we discuss current events, popular culture, writing, books, movies, and women's lives. We are smart, funny, and occasionally profane. We hope
0: you enjoy our podcast and thanks for listening.
1: Welcome to our podcast with Sharla and Danielle. Hey, how you doing, Danielle? Hi, Sharla. I'm doing fine. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is near to many, many people's issues, our hearts, our minds, and that is weight.
0: Yeah, we decided that this topic is something we both have plenty to say about, and We're going to start just by talking about our own experiences with our weight and our body. So, Danielle, do you feel like starting and just sharing a little bit about your history growing up?
1: Were you thin? Were you heavy? Did you fight with your weight? According to lore, I was very, very chubby as a little girl. Even I ran into my kindergarten teacher when I was in high school and she said, oh, I didn't know you'd get so tall and thin. You were such a little chub. Then I can, that's age five. Honestly, by age seven or eight, I was a beanpole. I was growing, 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 and I was very thin. And um, I began to struggle with my weight not even in high school, I thought I was fat. I had a body image problem that I was very thin, if I was probably five foot seven, weighed one hundred and ten pounds or something like that. But I thought I was getting extra skin on my belly. I'd be wearing a bikini. I'd look down, I thought I had a little fold in my belly, mm-hmm. and I was really self-conscious already. How about yeah. you?
0: Well, when I was growing up, I Was always early on. I was the tallest in my class up until like age thirteen. So I I grew up fast. So I was tall, skinny. I always ate whatever I wanted. I would have like a box of cookies and then have a full dinner. Granted, I was a kid. I was running around. I was really active. But I always ate whatever I wanted, and I was really skinny. When I went to college. I didn't even weigh 110 pounds. I was 5'4, five 5'5, five five, and I was under 110 because I once I wanted to donate blood and I didn't weigh enough. So I was super skinny and I never gave any thought to diet or dieting. When I was in grad school, I remember I felt like I put on some pounds and I decided I would drink tab at lunch. Like that was my weight loss program. I would just drink tab and pay attention to what I ate. And then I instantly lost weight. So I think I've always been lucky because I had, I guess I had a really um, high metabolism and I could eat what I wanted. Unfortunately, that set me up for problems as I got older and my metabolism slowed down. So now, flash forward, now I'm 5'5 and I weigh 160 pounds, which is a huge increase. And it's really, really hard at this point in time to lose weight because it just is, because my metabolism has gone from
1: that of a bird to a reptile is the way I think about it. Right. Um, to to finish off my history of my weight, when I went to college, I drank way too much beer many nights a week. And that fattening Molson beer from Canada is stronger than American beer. And I I got super heavy, or I thought I was super heavy because I probably put on the freshman fifteen. So I felt heavy and you know, all my clothes were tight and I had to get newer clothes. And I went home for one summer and lost it all. Went back to school for my sophomore year and gained it all back. So it was real, like a beer thing. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. that I was burning. I mean, I was drinking some beer in the summer, but I, I, you know, I can't exactly explain it. And then something happened when I was 19 that became horrendously depressed. I would say I was suffering from what they would call now major depressive di- disorder disorder. And what I did was I ate as much as possible to fill a hole Mm -hmm. because there was such a terrible emptiness and to make myself invisible and make myself unattractive and untouchable. Um, And then as as easily as I got into that depression several Mm -hmm. times, I could get out of it. All of a sudden I felt better. I ate much less. I ran around, and then I felt fine, and I'd be like super skinny, get all new clothes. Well, wow. so you've had some up and downs. It doesn't sound like you were
0: really dieting per se when you lost weight. You were no. just kind of going back to not being depressed. I was not depressed, so then,
1: therefore my appetite was was de- uh, decreased from that 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 hunger that I had, and then i stayed i would say i stayed relatively thin for a, a while i had children i got big with both of my kids and um, probably up to 190 pounds and then i lost it easily i gave birth and it was just no problem to take it off in a half a year or something and i think i've stayed i've stayed what i would consider thin and what i think what our popular culture would more or less same you know five foot ten and i can you know sometimes weigh between 140 and 145. And right now I weigh 160 and I'm really frustrated. Everything doesn't fit. So I have this mindset that I should be a size six. And if I grow to an eight, I become infuriated. I bet all sorts of people would love to be a size eight. Right. And it's something I put on myself. There's no, there's no like large, like body of human (laughs) beings like, Danielle. You're supposed to weigh this much and you're supposed to have this size clothes. And in my mind I do. So everything gets tighter and then I resist buying new clothes because I don't want them. And so I wear tighter clothes and feel kind of crappy. If I just bought some bigger clothes, I'd probably (laughs) feel a little bit better.
0: You're just torturing yourself. I think that's pretty common though. I've, I've lost and gained weight enough that I've had at the same time in my closet, Size 6, 8, 10, 12, and 14s. And sometimes I will go in my closet. This happens all the time. I'm always buying pants to hike in, like those nylon pants that you get at REI. So I get a pair, and I wear them for a while. Then I gain weight or I lose weight, and then I buy a different pair. And then I end up, I have like four pair of those pants, and every time I need a pair to go hiking, I go and none of them fit. It was like I had four of them, but somehow none of them really fit at this moment. And then I give them away, and then I sort of start the whole cycle again because I think I can, like, lose 10 pounds, and I need all new clothes. And so I end up with a lot of
1: clothes, Yeah, some of which fit, some don't, but it's like this cycle. It's really, really annoying. It's I do the same thing is that once sometimes I – Gain weight, so I give away my smaller clothes, and sometimes I lose weight and I give away my bigger clothes, and then I really wish I had some more. I go, Oh, remember that outfit was kind of cute? Gone. Gone. Yes. Yes. Jeans, very expensive jeans, and I invest in them, and then I, this right now, I've got them all hanging out because I think, Oh, yeah, I think I'm going to lose a little bit of weight. I'm also on antidepressants, and one of them is very much the culprit of what's making me hungry. So there is Danielle's trade off do you, do I want to be healthy in my mind and weigh a little more and, you know, not feel tragically depressed right. and I have to say, yes, I'd rather feel better right now. Um, and I can ex- play with the dosage and see if I take less, if I can lose that, um, appetite edge and also really It's not important. I don't don't go to my doctor. I don't go to Kaiser and get weighed and they say, you should lose weight (laughs) (laughs) because I'm way in the normal range. Yeah. I'm in the normal range.
0: You know, okay. So, this to me, this sort of brings up a couple of topics. Okay. One is when we feel fat, but we are not objectively fat. Like you, for our listeners who don't know you, you are tall, Mm -hmm. slender, you don't even make me think that you're fat in any way, shape or form. You teach Nia. You're extremely active. You're in great condition. So I think for you to feel like you need to lose weight, it could just be because you have it in your mind that you need to be a size six, but you are probably a healthy weight. I am not really a healthy weight. Like My BMI, my body mass index is It's not the worst possible category, but it's like it's slightly above what the normal is, whatever that is, like 25.0 or something. And when I do go to the doctor and get weighed, it's always like, oh, you need to drop a few pounds. So they say um, it nicely, Charlotte. Yes, they do. They do. Um, My doctor is, he's not really that hardcore about it, but I realize. That when he tells me I need to lose weight, then I actually take it seriously. Um, I also, I have enough health issues that I know weight is a contributor to. Like I have high blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure, you really should watch your weight. Just the other day, I was reading an article about how many different cancers are associated with being overweight. Really? Yes. Not the one I have. Bladder cancer, thank God. Okay, so I would feel really, really bad if I found out that being overweight had contributed to it. But any number of cancers are connected to being overweight. So, you know, I guess I would say that being actually physically overweight is a health hazard. But, like, I think the problem for me is that there's so much body shaming around being not super skinny and not looking like a model that there should be some happy medium where you can be like a healthy weight, not look like a model and not feel bad. Just be like, Hey, yes, I weigh more than I did in college. So what? It's still, a, I'm a healthy weight. Maybe I was unhealthy. I was maybe too thin, you know, 105, six, seven pounds. When I was 18 and 19 and 20 that, that was probably a little too thin but you know that your frame of reference is always what did you weigh when you were young you know like when you got married you know and you fit into the size six wedding dress it's kind of like that's the frame of reference that that was normal and now somehow we're not normal
1: anyway. and we so much put this on ourselves, um although it is drilled into us um, from any media angle, these very, very tiny women. You see it, um, an ad, all the models are really uh, slender. And the o- frankly, the only people with big butts that came around lately is the Kardashians. And everyone, some people really appreciate their yes. round bottoms and they got some notoriety on that. Um, and some people think they're too thin and wish they would like to put bot- butt implants. Uh, yes. yeah. So that's terrifying too. So there's all these skinny women with no butts and they also don't have big breasts. So they do, you know, all this augmentation, which should probably be an entirely different show. Charlie, we could go on and on about, yes. um, plastic surgery, elective surgery that, that is, we should speak so neutrally about cause i I'm sure mm-hmm. our listeners have maybe have had some, like we don't want to to pass judgment. So that's, that's not where we're going right now, but the weight thing, wow, I wish it just didn't matter to me. I wish Mm -hmm. it just didn't matter. Yes. I want to be healthy, but the pressure I put on myself to get thinner at age 53, I'm almost 54. I don't know what is up with that. I really think I do it to myself. I'm trying to think if anybody says, Hmm, you gained a little weight hey, honey, you're a little chubby in the middle. Like, no, no one does no that. No one does
0: that. Because so that would be mean. That would be mean. I mean, my husband really doesn't say anything about my stomach. That is my problem area. And honestly, that's always been my problem area, right? Like, I can look back at pictures of myself when I was 14. Yeah, just a little bit of a tummy. And I was super skinny. So, yeah, I I have no issues. My husband does not say negative things to me. I have had girlfriends whose husbands were extremely critical when the wives put on weight. Meanwhile, the husband is sitting there, a big fat pig, I'm not making that up, in a recliner doing absolutely nothing and criticizing the wife. And that used to drive me crazy because obviously there's a double standard. You know, men have a wider range, I think, of of sizes and weights and vision, just how they look. Women have a more narrow uh, picture that they're supposed to somehow aspire to and fit into, and I think partly it is the model situation. I mean, obviously there are male models, but women and women's bodies are just out there visually in advertising and on television and in the movies and everyone's super conscious of women's bodies and their hair. You know, it's like Hillary Clinton's hair. For all the decades she was in the public eye. Every time she had a new hairdo, it was news. So I think that that sense, like, women's bodies are just in the public sphere. Right. And open for criticism and judgment. I mean, honestly, I do it myself, right? Like, I'm watching TV. There's um, somebody on MSNBC, and I'm like, oh, God, who styled her hair? Or why does Rachel Maddow have so much eye makeup on? Obviously, they put it on her. But, you know, you're just like, I think as a culture, we have all been sort of socialized to pay attention to women's bodies and critique them. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I started noticing more and more the full-size models in print ads. I would say less so in – I don't watch TV, so I don't know what's on TV, so I'm not going to talk about yes, that. Yes,
0: but no, you're absolutely right. That's but, really true.
1: But print ads, I get a lot of catalogs from Athleta, which is a Gap Corporation, and they I, – I swear it's like 30% of the women are not, not – I'm going to say plus size – they might some of them might be but they they're wearing 12s 14s and maybe a little more and they're right. and because they're working out too and they're dancers too and they're riding their bikes too and they make they make clothes for everybody right. now um, right that's they and they and they're beautiful i'm so excited to see that that's that's a nice yeah. positive thing
0: that's true i got a catalog from soma which uh, is somehow related to chicos and soma makes um underwear and lingerie that sort of thing. So they had this catalog that arrived and yeah, it was it was really noticeable how many women there were modeling bras and underwear who were not super skinny who were I would say in many ways they're just normal sized women. Whatever normal means, you know, normal's a big range. Yeah. But I was yeah, I was kind of heartened by that and I don't think that they were even mentioning it. It wasn't highlighted like, oh, and we have plus sizes. It was just like, we have an array of bodies in our catalog.
1: They have an array of bodies. And, you know, and who among us doesn't have, I was just thinking about like back, who, who, can, who can wear a bra without the imprint coming out? <laughs> you know, that's even very, you know, thin people, you're going to see, they put a t-shirt on top of the bra yes. and you see that, that imprint and, there, I don't think you can do, you know, so, you know, push sit-ups and yes. planks to get that away. That's your skin. Yes. And goodness knows you need a layer of fat in there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And a friend of mine always says, I like this, um, uh, she said that Catherine Deneuve says you can have 10 pounds on your body and have less wrinkles in your face, or you can lose the 10 pounds and have your saggy, wrinkly face. So what's, you know, weight gives us collagen. There we go. Yeah. That's a really good point. When yeah.
0: people lose too much weight, it does show up in their face and then they look really haggard. I mean, they don't even look healthy anymore. They, they look like they didn't sleep properly.
1: Right? Yeah. And I, and then person to person, I really think genetics pay a play a role. Our faces look like their faces. Did some of us went out in the sun a lot. Some of us Just have a, you know, we're going to have more wrinkles than someone else, whether any weight that we are or, you know. Um, And then everyone knows that taking a selfie from below is the worst (laughs) idea. You take a picture (laughs) of your neck and it's not good. So now people take the phone and hold it above us and we look down because we look way better that way. So it is, you know, it's really across the board. Even if someone's acting like, oh, I get to look how I want to, our necks are uh, are a thing. And it was a whole thing. What's her face? Wrote a book on it.
0: Nora Ephron. Right. I feel bad about my neck. Yeah. Yeah. Because she didn't take good care of it and moisturize it and protect it from the sun. And when she got older, she had to wear turtlenecks. No, it's so funny. You should mention the pictures though, because all of these selfies go on Facebook and social media. And I think that that is actually social media has kind of contributed to an obsession with how we look because all of a sudden we all are everywhere. Yeah. Taking pictures of ourselves, other people taking our pictures, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. Everybody's sort of a celebrity, just like us. We're doing a podcast (laughs) because (laughs) we can and we want to, but yeah, it's sort of
1: like, I think there's a different level of scrutiny. Yeah, because think about it. Not that long ago, we didn't have social media, and you sent a picture of you and your family once a year. Right? Right. In that pretty much I didn't send a picture, you know, anywhere like three times in my life I did <laughs> yeah, holiday pictures. pictures. So you see this picture of your family like, kind of far away. No one knows what you look like. Exactly. Now we do all these, you know, close-up stuff, and I think – people are beautiful and I think people look great the way they are. And I I know it's always a little struggle like, Oh, I I wish I didn't have, you know, I wish my butt weren't saggy or, Oh, I have, you know, this was wrong with my legs. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the when we were writing in writing class recently, I don't know if you were there that day. I said, if I lost 10 pounds, my thighs would still be really jiggly. Yeah. there's nothing, I don't, I don't think I could ride a bike, do um, all sorts of, you know, isotonic Isot? is that what it's called? i Isometric. <laughs> oh, I forget. The one where you squeeze and push. Yeah, and I should know that. I'm a fitness yeah. person. That's a good note. But, no. but yeah, like, I don't think that I'm, I can fix the skin on my thighs. I think they're just going to be like that. They are. They probably are. Yeah. And, you know, tennis players wear really short skirts, and then they go to the supermarket after, and they don't really give a damn because that's our body. It's what he look like. That's yes. what we look like. See, that's what what I would like to get to, where we can
0: just look at people's bodies, accept them the way they are, and not render judgment. I mean, there's a lot of judgment also toward people who are overweight. You know, there's this idea of like, oh, they have no self-control. They eat too much.
1: They're
0: lazy. They don't exercise, as if they have total control over it and aren't doing anything about it. And I think there's enough science about weight loss and weight gain now that sort of says, no, it isn't, it's not
1: easy to lose weight. No, and some people, if you put, if a person puts themselves on a very low calorie diet, and which is very difficult to do, say I'm going to do 1200 calories or something, right? That when they eat something, you know, when they go off that, they just can they gain they get it back, back and really sometimes easily.
0: More, yeah. yeah, it's really
1: counterproductive to do that kind of extreme dieting.
0: Well, this brings me back to a topic that we sort of opened with, where you were talking about eating when you were depressed. And I was going to ask you, what do you feel that your relationship with food is
1: now as an adult? I'll tell you what it is now. I love food. I love tasting food. I also love wine, uh, red wine and occasional cocktail, by the way, calories, lots of sugar there. Yeah um, and I don't like to say I can't have that. I like to have one when I, I drink when I want to. I pretty much I can tell you I'm a not a big dessert eater. I can give I can walk away from a dessert, not a problem. Love cheese. In the for me, for breakfast, I often have a smoothie. My husband makes the best smoothies. Yay, Bob, I have something reasonable for lunch. and right now, like I was saying at the medication I'm taking, at five o'clock, I eat my refrigerator. Ah. I walk over or not. And maybe I get some goat cheese and crackers and a bunch of nuts. And you know, those things are not necessarily unhealthy, but I'm just inhale a bunch of calories. And then I have dinner too. And that seems to be my downfall mm-hmm. at the moment. And even if I cut that out and had no drinks, I still don't think I could lose weight. I am stuck. I weigh myself. I think, Oh, I was better the last few days. Yes. I lose two and a half pounds. I put it back on I lose it. And that's where I'm stuck with. Yeah. And, um, uh, like I said, it has to be, um, I have my choice right now is, you know, mental health or not. <clears throat> so well, yeah, doing.
0: I think you're totally making the right choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: What's your, your relationship, relationship with food?
0: Well, I think because I have always eaten whatever I want and I basically like everything except, um, uni. honestly. <laughs> Ooni um, is my downfall. Basically, I really do like everything else and I will eat anything. So that's a problem because there aren't any foods that I would just say, no, I don't want that. So that's bad. I, I too really don't care about dessert. Although I definitely will eat it if I'm presented with it.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I can't help trying like a new ice cream flavor. Yes. And Bob and I don't keep any ice cream in our house because he will eat it, something. So we, we I'm not even that tempted with sugar in my house unless I have, you know, some kind of a nut mix, you know, yes. with cranberries <laughs> in it. And then, God forbid, you know, dry cranberries, stupid. I try not to eat those, but I end up having a bunch of sugar.
0: Yeah, I'm into the savory, not the sweet. I would always prefer to have another second helping of... Even the vegetables, right? Yeah. I mean, I would say skip dessert. But I think what I notice about my food relationship is I'm really terrified of being hungry. Like, I'll do anything to avoid having my stomach feel hungry. Um, I I find that to be something that is stressful. And it's sort of stupid. Like, my sister recently lost a whole bunch of weight just by going on an anti-inflammatory diet. And one of the things she told me is that she realizes it's okay to be hungry. Like if it's four in the afternoon and she knows she's going to eat at 6 p.m., she's just hungry. I would find that really difficult. I mean, I do find it difficult. If I'm feeling hungry, I'm like, uh uh-oh, i got to go take care of this right now. And there's something there that keeps me eating really more than I need.
1: Do you think? Because this happens to me. If you're not home at four o'clock and there's nothing to eat, would you just not eat? Yes.
0: I. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. If I were out
0: running around and I didn't have a bar
1: with me, I would just be hungry. When I'm busier, I don't notice it, and so and then I'm yes. happy to be home, and I do know that I'm eating something later, and there's this ravenous desire to eat. Um, you know what? I'm going to take a little break. Okay. and well let's come back in a moment and talk about Roxanne Gay's book, Hunger. That's a great idea.
0: Danielle and I wanted to finish up this episode by talking about a book called Hunger by Roxanne Gay. This book, came out in 2017. I have not actually read it. I read an earlier book of hers called Bad Feminist. And I think some of the same material is covered in there. But let's just start out and have you, Danielle, tell us about this book and, you know, how it affected you, what you felt like when you were reading it.
1: Roxane Gay's book is truth telling at its I don't know, most impactful, if I can say that. She tells her story, you know, it's completely fact by fact, and very it's it's devastating. She is a, um, it starts out, she was 540 pounds. Her father was taking her to a weight clinic, and she was able to get down to something like 270 pounds. I might not be exactly right. And um, she published her book, And that was the first time her parents heard about this. She was gang raped by four boys when she was 12 years old. She didn't tell anybody. She had shame and guilt. She thought it was her fault, all of those things that sexual abuse survivors um, have. So she ate her way into being a very, very big girl and then eventually a big woman um, to bury her feelings and to um, be unattractive on purpose. And um, it made me feel very um, empathetic for her. I have also eaten too much on purpose, um, and it was it was a difficult read. Uh, she's very very honest, and I did I can't remember if how much criticism she's had. I think it mostly is widely acclaimed her book, right? well, yes. re- well reviewed. Of just a, a person giving her exact blow by blow about what this was like for her to be this. And now currently a, a professor, she mm-hmm. teaches at Great. a college somewhere in the Midwest and is functioning adult yes. at a larger size. And she has love. She even calls, she calls her partner, her person. Yes. <laughs> it's really sweet. And um, she says that when she gets on a plane, people, cringe that she's stare at her that she's walking by and they hope that she's not in their row. Um, they say various things to her. Like you should buy two seats. Yes. Uh, all like just living in this world of thin people that is really difficult. And she's to her point, she's already lost so much and she feels like it's, there isn't a way to get smaller. So she's pretty frustrated by that.
0: Yeah. She's somebody who has really, risen above all the things that have happened to her to go on to have really an amazing career and be a spokesperson for other women who've lived through similar experiences. So, I mean, she's a very inspiring person. Uh, I think I was thinking about when you encounter people who are overweight on airplanes, I, you know, I have to admit, I probably am one of those people who (laughs) hope that the, person coming down the aisle isn't going to sit next to me. But I also feel often sorry for people like that. When I encounter somebody who's really overweight, really obese, I feel sorry for them. I feel like they look uncomfortable. Um, They look like they're, they are literally carrying a lot of weight around that isn't healthy. Um, And I, of course, I also know that they are living with the criticism and the judgment of other people. So yeah, I think in general, I sort of feel more like compassion. Probably I didn't when I was younger, and I had no troubles keeping my weight off. But now that I'm older, and I know just how hard it is to lose 10 pounds, or even five. And I can only imagine how hard it would have to be to lose 50 pounds or 100 pounds, or something like that. That's really hard for me to even imagine how you would go about doing that
1: right and i don't think that they're liking their weight either and they if someone's morbidly obese it's not like they're sitting there going yay i'm morbidly obese they are working with health problems and um, that sort of thing i just will tell a little anecdote a long time ago i went to milwaukee for a wedding and um I stayed at a hotel and I remember in the morning going out and getting a manicure pedicure at a local place. And I walk in and make an appointment and the woman starts doing my feet and she says, you're not from here. Are you? And I said, no, I'm not. How'd you know that? She goes, cause you're not fat. Well, and I thought, wow, you know, there's, so there are a lot of um, Germans and Scandinavians and Poles that live in the from right. that <laughs> descent. live yes. in, in, uh, in Wisconsin and yeah. I'm a blonde. So I thought, you know, maybe and she just guessed that um, I am not from there. And that is really interesting.
0: You know what that happens to us. Anytime we go home to St. Louis, Missouri for the holidays to visit our families, we get off the air at the airport. And we do notice that people are just generally larger. We also notice that they have a special smoking room. Which is this glass encased room that looks like something out of Dante's Inferno. Like all these oh, people the are smoke. like pressed inside. <laughs> exactly. There's this like all these bodies and faces in this like glass enclosure and they're smoky and spokes coming out. It's really weird. It, and I do think like where we live in California, um,
1: people are more active. Maybe it's the weather. I don't know. It's the coasts. It's the coasts. Also, the East Coast and they and the entire West Coast are, are are more have thinner people. I don't know if that's a stat that's really super true. It could be everyone in Denver's thin too. What do I know? Um, so I don't want to generalize, but that's what you know. They say it's the coasts that are thinner, and so Midwestern people and here I am struggling with my words because I can't say it without sounding and judgmental and horrible. It's just like, it's a fact. Yeah. Um, I also feel like when I go to Europe, I am, uh, my father's German and the, I go to his hometown, Hamburg, Germany, you know, everyone looks like me. I'm the same height and the same mm. size. Um, there's some smaller people, but that is like a, a trait. Yes. Yes. Uh, from my family. So, um, I, it's it's interesting. Whereas my my mother's the, the same shape as her mother and aunt, which is like a pair.
0: Yes, and she is a pair.
1: Yeah, and there's a shape like she, that's kind of what she's came into this world with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think if she starred herself, she could be that much thinner.
0: You know, it's so funny. My mother, who's eighty three, is extremely skinny, and she has never been somebody who exercised a lot. But she is on her feet nonstop. She is always moving around. She's always doing something. She also had a series of like issues with her indigestion, and she just stopped eating very much. And even though those those are all cleared up, she eats really tiny meals. Um, And she's really obsessed with food. She is always thinking about the next meal and what she's gonna have for dinner. I talk to her every other day, and I always hear what she ate for lunch and what she's eating for dinner in great detail. It's really interesting. She's, she's always been very food focused. Like one of her favorite things to say is, I've been hungry for dot, dot, dot. You know, it could be barbecue, I've been hungry for pizza. There's always something that she's hungry for. And it's just really interesting to me because she's not overweight and she's extremely healthy, but um, emotionally and psychologically, I feel like there's definitely some food obsession going on with her, which I probably have inherited to some degree.
1: Yeah. right. But it's she's- almost impossible not to. But she eats small meals and stays healthy. So then she goes to the doctor and has her blood work done. They're gonna like, oh, your cholesterol's low and your yes. lipids are good and all that, right? And yeah, yeah so that's good. Um, yeah, the, I, it's, it's a big generalization, but people who carry you know a little too much weight are gonna have more um, probably some health issues and starts to put a strain on the heart. Yeah. Blah blah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so she's thin, and that's that's awesome. Some, I think that, you know, my, my sister's really thin. She's so busy. She's running around. Right. She runs her own Montessori school. Woman hasn't, she doesn't have time to sit down. How could she have time to eat or cook herself yes. A meal?
0: Yes. Well, they say, like, being sedentary is a big risk for health issues. As bad as smoking, as bad as being overweight, yeah. that just being sedentary itself is a really bad thing. Yeah. And... I think if it were possible to have movement be a way that you could lose weight, that would be fantastic. But in my experience, just boosting my exercise is never really enough to lose weight. I also have to reduce my food intake at the same time. And I find it much easier to like add exercise, you know, like, okay, I'll just go work out another hour than fine tune my eating. The idea that you have to like, Be so careful that if you eat an extra 50 calories one day, then you're not going to drop any weight. It's like I I find thinking about that and even monitoring it to be – that's just unsustainable to my mind to have to be monitoring your food intake. Right, and also monitoring
1: what you eat so that we all feel deprived of something. Like, oh, there's there's cake being served at the – Party and you say no, thank you. Maybe you really didn't want it, but maybe you did want it, and you can't have it. You know, yeah. So that deprivation doesn't help. That's why when we eat, we need to eat delicious things, and some of them do have high calories, and some of them don't. The rice, right? so you have to get satisfied, like your mother and her small meals that she's planning because she wants to eat something delicious.
0: Yes, and she and she's very focused on it's going to be vegetables and fish and chicken. Yeah, she's a big vegetable person. And so she is satisfied. I don't think she feels deprived whatsoever from not eating steak and potatoes or whatever that a lot of people in the Midwest like. (laughs) Because Midwesterners, we like our meat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just want to say one more thing because we did bring it up earlier in the show about, and we just mentioned it now about activity. Michelle Obama spent her entire term as first lady Trying to get kids to get more exercise as well as eat better. Right. So, she had the White House garden, which yes. she goes into in great detail in her book. And when she was out in the schools trying to get the kids moving and change the lunch menus. Right. Right. That was a big thing to change the lunch menus. So the kids aren't getting french fries and donuts. They were getting some vegetables with their food and they were being educated about that. And then one more thing about Michelle, because you were talking about Hillary Mm -hmm. and how everyone nailed her on her hair. Everyone nailed Michelle for showing her arms. She was the first the first first lady who had tank dresses and showed her arms. By the way, her beautiful arms Which were spectacular. What a beautiful woman. Uh, in in every way. And she got a lot of crap for like in racist ways and just like, oh, it's not, it's not ladylike to show your arms. For goodness sake, she's in her forties. Show us your arms. Exactly.
0: She worked out. She should show us those arms. She worked out a lot. That kind of makes me think of um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her workouts. You know, talk about kick ass. She is the greatest. 80 what years old? I think she's about 83 84 I really think
1: she's about my mom's age she is staying in shape she is holding it together for our nation yes she cannot she cannot uh retire or we'll get a crazy right-wing judge in there so yeah so there's a couple of see there's some role models for us uh Ruth Bader Ginsburg is so healthy and does her yoga and all of her Pilates with her trainers we all see videos of her doing that um and michelle obama takes care of her body is is beautiful um every way you know let's give a little plug for hillary she wore pantsuits you know she looked she she she's a graceful woman mm-hmm. yeah she aged well she aged well yeah she looks terrific um so I, we have you know all body types or welcome. We don't know why every each individual person looks a certain way, or if they eat, you know, one piece of cheese, they put on a ton of weight. Like it's just, um, yeah. It's, you know,
0: I think we just need to have more compassion for each other, including ourselves, including ourselves, and take away shaming people and shaming ourselves and just criticizing just have compassion for people's bodies because we are all different and we've all got different backgrounds and experiences and genetics. Yeah, And weight is just one of those things that shows up and you need to accept that people have
1: different weights. And that reminds me of a concept. If you might've noticed all over South America and some places in Europe, I suppose women wear uh thongs, thong bikinis and their entire butt is shown. In the country of Brazil, where I spent some time a couple of times I went to it's a beach resorts, women wear them no matter what size they are. It's called gorda sexy, fat sexy. <laughs> Doesn't matter what their butts look like. They're wearing that bathing suit and they nobody cares. They that is that woman's body and that's what she looks like and everyone else is minding their own business. And because they're a society that just is not focused on the skinny scrawny, goodness knows, twenty years have gone by. Maybe they are now, like they caught on. Uh, whereas their neighbor right. country, Argentina, at the same time, they were very, very, very into being thin, and there was a rampant anorexia rate going on there. So that's that was not in the country of Argentina. That was not okay to be um, to be heavy. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but, but, Argentina, but Brazil, go ahead. Have a big butt. So cool. All right. That's be your be that's your our motto. We love your body and I love your body and I love my own body. Charlotte, love your body. I love my body. <laughs> I love everybody's
0: body. And I'm going to be all over Gorda Sexy. Yeah. Gorda Sexy. Is that how you say
1: it? Gorda, Gorda Sexy. Gorda Sexy.
0: Yeah. I think we should end this episode
1: by saying, yeah. Gorda sexy, everybody, and love your body, which is a, a big piece of the Nia technique. Um, that you know, every you know, we all come together and dance. I don't care what your body looks like. It's like let's move and enjoy and express. That's what we've always. That's what I, we do as a as a community in Nia. So anyway, anyway high five, Charlotte, for another all right. one. another yeah another uh, another episode,
0: episode and uh, we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for listening. Have a good day.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode.
1: You can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash Sharla Danielle podcast.